Welcome to the Aurora Cornerstone Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We hope today's message is an encouragement to you. Turn with me in your Bibles. Romans chapter 12 to Romans chapter 12. And we're going to pick it up, verse 4, verse 5. Romans 12, verse 4, just the, one, just the two verses here today. For just as each of us has one body with many members. I'm going to pause there for a second. You know what he's saying, right? He's actually talking the literal physical body. So my body has a head and has eyes, ears, and tongue, and lips, and knees, and legs, and ankles. Okay, many members. Members you can't see. Kidneys, spleen, all that stuff in there. It's valuable. Okay, that can be back it up. Verse four. For just as each of us has one body with multiple members, now he's making a comparison. And these members do not have all the same function. Verse five. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body. And each member belongs to to all the others. So Father, I ask that you would just help us to understand the depth of what's spoken of here in the context of us here today, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Three times the word members is mentioned here in this text. Note the part, it says, one body with many members, and these members don't have the same function. So in Christ, we though many form one body and each member. Three times the word members mentioned in these two verses. And although we're part of a worldwide disciple following of Jesus church. So all those, and I like to use Christian now has, is, has such a broad stroke. I don't often, I will use the word Christian. I don't, not anything against it. Christian was actually used by originally not the Christians themselves, it was used by the uh, pagans in reference to the Christians back in the early church. They actually made reference to, they were saying Christian means you Christ ones, you look like Christ. And that's how, so that's where the word came from. They didn't actually call themselves Christian. They said they were part of the way, the way of following Christ. Uh, They were disciples. That's how they referred to themselves. But they got renamed, rebranded by the communities they lived in because the communities said, you look just like that Jesus. Wouldn't that be a horrible thing for somebody to say? You look just like Jesus. You look like the Christ. You are, are you one of the Christ ones? Oh, they're the Christ ones. They're the Christ ones that got changed. They're the Christians, the Christians. The, so Christian. Now, anybody who associates with Christ, whether they're a true follower of Jesus or not, now thrown into Christian. I like to use a follower of Jesus because if I follow Jesus, it's not that I'm making head consent. I'm following him. I'm living after my Lord. So we're part of that. We're part of a universal thing that's happening all around the world. No one knows the numbers, except God. But we're a part of that. And although we're part of a worldwide, note the part where it says here in verse 5, in Christ we though many form one body, and each member belongs. Now note the part belong. If there's ever anything I find today that we struggle with in our world of growing population, more urbanization, is a feeling of a lack 
of belonging. A lack of belonging. I think that that is a bit of a pandemic in its own way. A lack of belonging. Where do I belong? Yet here it says you are part of a worldwide discipleship, but you are belonging to a group. You belong to something. And the reference is local. The reference is you're not you're part of this worldwide children of God, but that, no, you actually belong to a group. And so they're using it, though you're part of a big body, the body functions within a local context, something local. So we have a church. Now, we know the church. It's not really a good name. We use it. We call, let's go to church Sunday morning. What do we think of? We think of this building. And it's called Aurora Cornerstone Church. And back a few years ago when I came, we began, we rebranded the, some things regarding our church. And we, we call it ACC, you know, um, Aurora Cornerstone Church, what it was. Or is the church a given? So just call it AC. So you don't say ACC Church. That would be a Allison Cornerstone Church Church. It would be AC Church. I know it sounds crazy. But we, we had long conversations around this. So we changed it to AC Church. We don't put ACC purpose is, is, but this isn't the building. The building is not the church. We don't go to church. You know, actually, there was no church till you showed up. And when you showed up, now there's a church. Because the church is not you alone, but a group of you. A group of followers of Jesus together. Now there's a church. This is the belonging. This is the group. So there's that, that I'm going to use the word, I like this one. There's a local expression of Christ. So we're a local expression. But this is what's making reference here. And we belong. So it's not just about me and what can you give me today. You know, we go back and did I get anything from the worship? Those are wrong questions. Did I get anything from the message? Wrong questions. Did somebody reach out to me today? Wrong questions. The questions are, who did I reach out to today? What did I embrace and celebrate together in the word? Hopefully this scripture we can celebrate together. We'll be able to leave this building, brick and mortar, and having been a part of a church, you're not a church when you're an individual, but you're a church when you get together. Having been a part of a get-together, we now celebrate this something, whatever it was you celebrated. The song we just sang, the, the time that we spent around the word, a prayer time together, we celebrate that. Why? Because I belong to that group. So today the message title is Serving with Your Whole Heart. And the focus is whole heart. And it's all about, and it's in our series, Doing Life Together, which I am enjoying. <laughs> you may not be. I'm enjoying the series the more I get into it. This is a brand new series for me. And the more I get into it, I'm kind of following along. They, give, they kind of give, here's the topic, here's the topic, here's the topic. And so I'm, I, I personally don't like being buttonholed into a topic. Never have. I'm, I'm transforming, though. Uh, but I'm giving each topic, and in doing so, I am defying a delight in how this is moving on this intentional journey. I belong to others. I belong to someone. You know, now, if you have a pet, your cat belongs to you, your dog, you have a call. I belong. I am in the right place of. It's my family I identify with, I belong. And so therefore, it's not enough to be an individual follower of Jesus. You must also belong to an expression of the church. 
And we're, that's what we're talking about here today. There's a lot of uh, struggle, I think, in more as time goes on because membership has taken a, a kind of a, a nasty taste. You know, where you were a member and there were negative things that flowed out of because there was almost a coercion in that membership. So therefore, you'll never be a member again. I hear that often. I'll never be a member. I'm a member of God's church. It's not really accurate, though. Biblically speaking, you are a member of the church, but when God speaks of his church, he speaks of it in the context, his body, universal. I'm going to talk more about this later. But he also always makes reference, are you part of a local body? Because, and, and we're going to give evidence. The emphasis is the local body, not the, not the worldwide body. The emphasis is the local body. Because it's easy to say I'm part of something really big, but have no commitment to it then are you doing life or are you simply watching life together? So our study's called doing life, not watching life together. We're not, you're not watching. We've got to get involved, roll up the sleeves, dig in, jump, dive in. We're doing life. Belong is over, the, the phrase together is from, especially in the New Testament, it is throughout the pages. The Bible knows nothing of solidarity of solitary saints. It's all about getting together. The Bible knows nothing about isolation in the faith. It's all about fellowshipping. And so that's been a bit of a challenge for us this last year. That's been a challenge. Fellowshipping in creative ways. Because normally fellowshipping is where you hug, touch, squeeze. That's fellowshipping. But we've had to fellowship together in a different way. And we've learned, and I think it's, just, it's broadened our boundaries It's opened our borders to learn new ways of fellowship that I pray we won't lose. We just add to when we come back again and then boy, looking forward. How many here is looking forward to getting back again? Where you can touch, feel, squeeze, poke. Okay, maybe not the poking part, but yeah, we we look forward to the getting together. Bible says we are to get together. Here are words I found. They're Get together, join together, built together, members together, heirs together, fit it together, held together. And one day, the Bible says we're going to get caught up together. Praise God. While your and my relationship to God is personal, God never intended it to be private. C.S. Lewis, many have heard C.S. Lewis, actually came to the conclusion that membership came of Christian origin. So the word membership started with the early believers. That's kind of interesting. We have come accustomed to, you know, we have Costco membership, CAA membership. You are a member of a country club. You are, right, we think of members and there are membership list stores offer discounts to members Advertisers use members' names creating the mail-out list. And so membership can be diluted into the organizational membership. But the church was never meant to be an organization. It was meant to be an organism. Organization is not living. An organism, by definition, has to be alive. And we were called to be an organism. So the Bible would refer the New Testament over and over to those who are followers of Jesus as those who were part of an organism. 
And it uses the body as an image of organs. And so we're going to put up here on the screen some an organ of, inside organs of the body. We throw it up there. Okay, so, and I was just thinking about this this past week. Things that you don't see. So, you know, the kidney. Now, I understand that you can get by, most of us can get by with one less kidney. And that's why you can donate a kidney and live. Uh, kidney, liver, I think the liver's kind of important. Gallbladder, well, pancreas, intestines. You can cut a bunch of them out, but they're still pretty important. Um, spleen, okay. Other organs, and we can just kind of keep going through. Our brain, I think, is kind of important. Uh, and so there's a number of things that you don't see. It's hidden in this skin tent, but they're internal, internal organs. Now, these organs here all have special value. If you took, let's take the liver and remove it from the body and put it on the counter, is there much value to that liver anymore? See, the liver's value is its association. Take out the spleen, put it on the counter, the spleen's of no value now. The value of the spleen is its association with the body. If you take the liver out and you put it on the counter, what happens to the liver? It dies. It's dead. The life of the liver is its purpose within the body. The life of the spleen is its purpose within the body. Now, over and over, God uses the illustration, you are a part of the body. Now gather, catch this. If you remove yourself from the local context, you're dead. There's no value. You do, you do not bring value to the body anymore. But bring your life into the context of some other believers. Now you begin to operate with that which God has given you and you provide function your purpose. The liver's only got one purpose. The liver was never meant to be a wall ornament in your home. The liver's purpose is to work in your body. You remove it from its purpose and the liver has no purpose. It needs your body. That's the illustration. And I think this is a really good illustration. To me, it was kind of an aha as I began to think. If you remove that member, and there's people who said, you know, what church are you part of? Oh, I belong to the universal church. At first, it sounds really spiritual until you think about it for just a second and you realize that's a cop-out. We all are followers of Christ, the universal church. The point is, where, have you, where are you contributing? Where's the liver working? Where's the spleen working? Where are you functioning? Because if you're out there, you're not functioning within the body and the strength is, is not there. And so the picture of the body here, which I thought was a pretty cool analogy, and of course I didn't come up with it. God came up with that one. But the picture, he keeps drawing us back to having this picture in front of us. So when we make reference to church, we're making reference to being a part of a body, being a part of a group of people. And how many, how, what constitutes a church? Some have said two constitutes, some have said three. I heard one person going on and on how you had to have 10 to constitute a church. I don't know, 10. Just to get a group together and then the, there's, there's the bodies now able to function as a body. I'm going to explain more about what that looks like. The Bible says that a Christian without a church home is like an organ without a body. It's like, the Bible says, a sheep without a flock. A little lamb is pretty easy prey without the rest of the flock. It's like a child without a family. It's unnatural. 
It's unnatural. It was never meant. Today's culture of independent individualism has created many spiritual orphans. And the church becomes weaker when the church is diluted. The Bible offers compelling reasons, and I want to share six reasons this morning with you regarding why being a part and belonging to a family is important. Number one, a church family identifies you as a genuine believer. I can't claim to be following Christ if I'm not committed to a group of disciples. Jesus would say, and catch this, John 13, 35, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Let's go at this from the back end to the front. The world can recognize a follower of Jesus when they see you, again, in the context of other believers, nurturing, caring, ministering to each other. Then the world knows you're a follower of Christ. So a church family identifies you, actually, as a genuine believer. When we come together in love as a church family from different backgrounds, we come together from different races, we come together from different social statuses, and we gather together with a powerful witness, we are one in Christ Jesus. That is testimony to the world that there is a God. A church family identifies you as a genuine believer. Secondly, a church family moves you out of self-centered isolation. The local church is a classroom to learn how to get along in a family. Right? And I've been thinking about this, of the years of being a part of a, different local churches, that my best growth has been learning how to get along with family members. You find that true? Now, if I was to take the time and ask you, how do you get along with your family members? Brothers, sisters, cousins, right? We could spend some time on that one, couldn't we? When we were born, we were born, many of us in with, with older brothers, younger brothers, sisters, parents, whatever, whatever environment that was. And that was your early 101 learning grounds, your school of interaction. And then eventually you would move on to schools and daycare, daycares and then schools and whatever it might be. In the context of a church family, how we live out our faith is best lived out in with people. You are the most spiritual person in the world until you encounter another Christian. And then you discover lots about yourself. Because they're going to push your buttons. They're not like you. They're not perfect like you are. And you have to learn to get along. And you look at all nine of the spiritual, of the fruit of the Spirit. They're all in tough situations. Your fruit is developed through tough, difficult, pressing, irritating, annoying situations. Each other. But growing together. And in that, therefore, the second point moves you out of self-centered isolation. Church is a lab for practicing sympathetic love. When you don't want to love, but you know you need to love them. You don't want to pray for them. And if you pray, you think it'll be a bad prayer. But God says you bless them. You bless them. And so you begin to pray prayers of blessing and love and commitment upon those people. And what's your heart change? What's your life change? I've told the story many times. A dear friend of ours, uh, up in years now, 
who was in a meeting and we were talking about, you know, praying for people and, you know, God can change your, your family. He can change your children. He can change your husband. He can change your wife. God can change, you know, he's, he's a God of the impossibilities. And this person said, you know, pray, give me, and he brought a handkerchief and anointed it with oil because their wife, you know, was just really bugging him and just needed, that wife need changing. And, and so we prayed, took it home, and he was going to put it under her mattress that she would change. And a week later, I've told the story, a week later, came back and I asked him, hey, Doug, how did it go? And he said, oh, it's the, everything has changed. And I said, oh, it really worked? He said, yeah, I took it home and I put it under my mattress. They slept in different rooms. I put it under my mattress and I'm changed. And I was thinking, praise God. But you need each other to help get there. And so it takes us out of self-isolation. It's a great lab for sympathetic love. As a participating member, you learn to care about others and share your experiences with others. It's not about me all the time. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 26. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. That's the body. Only in regular contact with ordinary, imperfect believers can we learn real fellowship and truly experience New Testament truth being connected and dependent on each other. Number three, a church family helps you develop spiritual muscle. You will never grow to maturity just by attending services, by watching services. I am, I'm a great uh, believer of uh, parachurch ministries, whether it be television, internet, radio. I'm a strong believer of that. But they cannot and were never meant to take the place of your local church. They frequently don't know who you are unless you're a contributor financially. They, their children don't go to your school. They don't shop in your grocery stores. They don't call you up in the week and ask a question. They don't sit beside you in the group on a Sunday morning or on a Wednesday or whatever that group might be. They're not there. You need the there in order to be that local expression. And so the spiritual muscle is part of, it can't be developed just by watching. Only participation in the full life of a local church can build spiritual muscle. Getting involved. The doing, that's why we do life together begins to build spiritual muscle. Ephesians 4, 16. From Christ, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Note the growing, the developing, the muscle building. It's done in that as we're joined together, we grow and build as each part does its work job. You know, I was looking over 50 times, if you do a concordance search on your computer, over 50 times in the New Testament phrases like one another or each other are used. I'm going to throw a few of them out to you. We are commanded to, this is all New Testament phrases, we're commanded to love each other, pray for each other, encourage each other, admonish each other, greet each other, serve each other, Teach each other, accept each other, honor each other, bear each other's burdens, forgive each other, submit to each other, be devoted to each other. 
This is biblical membership. This is biblical membership. This is a family responsible for its part in the family. We need more and more to grow than just the Bible. We actually need each other to grow. Here's why. We all have blind spots. And left to yourself, you'll never know your own blind spot. But be in the context of a few believers and get close to them. They'll be glad to show you what your blind spots are. And you know what? You're itching to show them a few blind spots too. Done in love, it's a healthy thing. Done in love. You don't know your own blind spots. We need each other. We grow faster and stronger by learning from each other and being accountable to each other. When others share what God is teaching them, I learn and I grow. Just what he's teaching me, I am a dysfunctioning part of his body. But together with the group, we learn from each other and grow from each other. And it's exciting growth. Let's go to number four. The body of Christ needs you. You're needed. (laughs) You're needed. All of you are needed. God has a unique role for you to play in his family. It's your ministry. Your local fellowship is a place God has designed for you to discover your giftings and abilities. And in that group, begin to develop it. There's the group. You develop it. This is your school. It's your lab for learning. You develop it and you use it. We talked last week about shape. God is developing all of our shapes. And right from spiritual gifts to E that we experience. And in that, we are to experiment. So try teaching. Try an instrument. Try hospitality. Try something. Try another. Try another. Try another. The failure is to never try. Try. The body needs you. And Jesus never promised to build your ministry. He promised to build his church. So if you get involved in the church, you're going to get built up because by default, you're part of it. But if you just separate yourself, do your own thing. You know, I've had, you know, again, you know, I, I can't join the, you know, there are a bunch of hypocrites over there or, or there's, I don't like them. They're, they're mean. They're, they're ugly. I don't know. Um, <laughs> join us. Be one more ugly person. You know, come on. We are together imperfect. But that's what makes this great. Because in our ordinariness, we are able to grow together. And in that, and he says he will bless his church. He didn't say that he, or build his church. He didn't say he'd simply build me. Number five, why do we need the church? You will share in Christ's mission in the world. When Jesus walked the earth through that physical body for three and a half years, God poured himself out to the people Jesus came in contact with. When Jesus ascended, died and ascended, we, our celebration in these days, to be with the Father, he said, but, but he says, you're going to do greater things than I did. And the disciples, I sh- I'm sure, thought, seriously? Like, like you, you did everything. How can we do more? Well, the reason was is because my Holy Spirit is going to be upon multitudes of you. Now you're going to be all over doing the work that I was doing, doing the same work. You will do greater things because My spirit is with you. And so today, we are his spiritual body. We go and represent him. 
The church is his instrument on this earth. We are his light to this world. We are his salt to this world. We are not just to model God's love by simply being saying that we're a follower of Jesus, but we're to invest ourselves in the lives of others. It's an incredible privilege to be a part of something great. It's an incredible privilege, isn't it not? Incredible privilege. You know, in a few moments, we'll be gathering together for our members meeting, and I counted them up. This would be my 36th uh, annual business annual congregational business meeting that I've conducted, 36th. And when I came to that conclusion, I came to that conclusion yesterday. I was counting them up. And I came to that conclusion yesterday. And there was such a rush of thanksgiving in my heart. What a privilege, God, to have been a part of 36 years. For 36 years, I've been able to testify God has been faithful for one more year. And I'm going to be doing it again today in about 15 minutes. I'm going to be again testifying God has been faithful for one more year. And I've done it 36 times. And that has just, I got a bless me moment when I went through that. In my thanksgiving, to, thank you God I was a part of that. Versus not being a part of that. Versus I never knew Christ. Versus not being a part of a, of a local group. Thank you God I was. And my heart was just bursting with thanksgiving. We're part of a great mission. A great mission. And it's an incredible privilege to give to one another. As members of Christ's bodies, we are his hands, his feet, his eyes, his heart. Works through us. Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are that. And, uh, and so be that. Be that expression. Lastly, a church family will help keep you from backsliding. Not one of us in person or Live, not one of us, are immune to temptation. Given the right situation, any of us are capable of backsliding. Not that God doesn't have keeping power to hold us, but we're capable. God knows this. And so he has assigned us as individuals the responsibility to keep each other on track. Now, that doesn't mean you're to be judge and jury over the neighbor, watching every move and judging them. But it does mean that you're to be involved in their lives. We need each other. And therefore, God knows that. He understands this. And so in the context of each other, we hold each other accountable to growing in our faith. We need to. We have to. You have to be something part of something bigger than just you. A church family will help keep you from backsliding. Hebrews 3, 13, but encourage one another daily as long as it is called today so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. You want to hear a non-Christian phrase? Here's a non-Christian phrase. Mind your own business. It's a non-Christian phrase. We're called to mind each other's business. We're called to be involved in each other's lives. If you know someone wavering in their faith walk, Start pacing with them and get involved. James 5, 19. Brothers, sisters, if one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring that person back, you're responsible for each other. Hold each other accountable for each other. And this goes for leaders in the body. 
Those that God puts into places to watch over you and to teach and to give direction and guidance and counsel. Holding each other accountable. Dr. William Morrow, uh, one of my spiritual mentors, I was just a few months into ministry and he said this to me. Just a young pastor. And he was talking about my job. He said something to this effect. He says, the job of a pastor, the job of a shepherd is to fence, feed, and fleece his sheep. Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who got to give an account. Do this so that your work, so that their work will be a joy, not a burden. For that would be of no benefit to you. When you were born, when I was born, we automatically became part of the human race. All of us. We were born, we entered into the human race. The universal family of human beings. But is that enough? None of us would be alive today if that was enough. You see, when you were born, you became a part of the human race, but you needed parents. You needed somebody you would have only lasted maybe a day, two, three days at most. And you would have died. Yeah, you were born into a human family, but you needed a local family to look after you. You needed a mom. You needed a caregiver. You needed someone to pick you up, to feed you, to touch you, to talk to you, to laugh with you. You needed other people. You needed not just to be a part of a human race. You needed individuals to be a part of your life. You needed a specific family. You need a specific family to nurture you, to grow up, to be healthy and strong. And likewise, spiritually. When you came to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you entered into his spiritual family. You're part of the family of God. But left alone, you'll die. You must find the local and become involved in the local family. Becoming a part of that family. Your local expression to be part of. The difference between being an attender and being a member is commitment. You can watch something you can observe something. But then to be a part of something means I commit to something. I'm committing. One is a spectator. One is a contributor. One simply benefits from the other. The other shares in the responsibilities. That's the family of God. Yeah, you know, I almost want to break out into, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. You know that song, some of you? Yeah. I'm glad that, although a universal family, the local expression is what keeps life going. It's like a couple who gets together, wants to just have fun sexually, wants to just, you know, have somebody pick up after them, but they're not committed to the relationship called marriage. And likewise, when it comes to the body of Christ, that commitment is saying, I'm loyal to, I'm loyal to something else. I'm loyal to something else. I'm loyal to something else. I remember when Lori and I got married, and she came out of a faith background that was very controlling, and I didn't. And so she knew that my background, and, and I was entering into ministry. She had a question for me based out of that background. And her question basically was this. What will happen if ever, you being a part of a member, pastor being a member, if, we, if they depart, if the organization departs, 
What will you do? Because she struggled with that. And I said, I'm committed to faith in Christ. And I'm committed to the biblical principles. And whatever organization I'm a part of, if that's their commitment, I'm committed to them. Should they depart, I will depart too. But I'm committed to that. And I praise God, I've never had to make that decision. We've never had to call that one. But that is a part of the commitment. It's our marriage. The commitment. My faithfulness. I'm going to call it loyalty. You see it throughout the early church. You find that, um, you know, again, the church isn't perfect. If you wait for the perfect church, you're going to be all your life looking for it because we're filled with imperfect people, struggling, seeking, hopefully the same thing. We see in the early church, Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Christians in Jerusalem were very specific in their commitment to each other. It says in verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and to prayer. Note that part. They devoted themselves, and you hear the early church doing this. And we see the Christians in Macedonia in 2 Corinthians 8, verse 5. And they exceeded our expectation. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord and then by the will of God to us. See, the, the early church, they committed God to a local expression. Joining together, a group of believers. First decision brings salvation. The second brings fellowship. I belong. I belong. I want to just pull those six up again. So here they are. I'm just going to summarize them. A church family identifies you as a genuine believer. A family moves you out of your self-centered isolation. A family helps you develop your spiritual muscles. The body of Christ needs you. You will share in Christ's mission to the world. You know, we're going to be in the next few days blessing 200 people who are environmental workers at South Lake Hospital. As an individual, probably couldn't have done it. But we could together. At Christmas time, we helped 27 victim families. Victim families. Couldn't have done that by myself. I might have helped one or two. We were able to help and bless 50 workers at a nursing home. I know I couldn't have done that. You couldn't have either. We presently support 10 missions endeavors. Couldn't do that by myself. See where we're going with this? On and on. Together, together, we are able to accomplish the mission. That brings us to that point where we share in Christ's mission to the world. Number six, a church family will help keep you from backsliding. They will keep you in the faith. We need each other. Thanks for listening to the Aurora Cornerstone podcast. Remember to subscribe. For more information about our church and our ministries, visit auroracornerstone.ca.